Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. We offer ourselves. We don't do it in arrogance. We do it in humility. And we say, Lord, we need you. Okay? This is the hard thing about worship. To worship properly is not about you know, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, although we should be mindful of that. It's saying, God, I need you. Save me. And trusting in him to do that. Being engaged like that can be hard, uh, but that's what the Lord is asking us to do. So that being said, though, worship, and I, there's a, I left out a word here in the outline if you're looking at it. Worship should be reverent because, again, it's about our brokenness. It's about God's majesty, but it also should be joyful. It should be joyful because God loves us and he's, he's saved us. And so that should be expressed in joy. Uh, Psalms 98 and 100 talk about make a joyful noise or other translations say shout for joy. Okay? Shout for joy. And I think this is important for us to remember, particularly as it relates to children, because as, as adults sometimes we get worship a little bit, a little bit, uh, we can be sort of stuffy about it. At least, you know, our expression of church that you're most, we can get a little bit stuffy. You've got to be quiet, you know, polite and all that. It's about celebrating. And sometimes when you celebrate, you get loud. And it's good to get loud. The Lord commands it. Um, and there's one thing that my kids were good at is being loud. Okay? All right, so um, getting back to that's, that's about worship. What about our children? How do we instruct them in becoming worshipers? First, we have to understand our children's place in the kingdom. Um, uh, some, you know, there's a lot of people in church, they love their kids, but they don't always understand their, the place of their children in the kingdom of God. Uh, they love them, but they don't think they're capable of understanding the love of God or faith. So they sort of, well, you know, we put them to the side for a little bit over here while we do our spiritual thing because they can't really get it. And my experience of children tell me that they may not be nuanced, but they can express and appreciate deep love and devotion. Perhaps, right? Perhaps more, perhaps more purely than we as adults do. So don't underestimate your kids and what they can apprehend. Um, scriptures exhort us to engage that capacity in our children, but also to recognize that they have a privileged place as a part of the people of God. Um, just to, to that end, Genesis 17.11 talks about the sign of our relationship with God, our covenant bond with God, that we belong to Him, that He belongs to us, that, that all the males were supposed to be marked with the sign of circumcision. Not just adult males, but children as well. Uh, when your child was born into the covenant, eight days old, to be, to be circumcised, to take on this mark that you belong to, uh, to God. Not that they are, have a new spirit or regenerate, you know, and all that as we're talking uh, about salvation, but that, that there's a privileged place that they have. Um, that's Genesis 17. And Colossians 2, 9 and following says this, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ... You have been brought to fullness. He is, 
He is the head of, uh, over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised. He's talking about spiritual circumcision. With the circumcision not performed by hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, you, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. There's talking about the spiritual dynamics of of what circumcision represented, and it's tying it to baptism, that in baptism as well, it carries the same spiritual significance to it. Um, And all I'm saying, you know, this is why it's, again, people have different views of baptism here. It's Presbyterian, in a Presbyterian context, this is why we baptize our kids, because we see the connection between circumcision and baptism. And and if if you're not there on that, you can readily see that Jesus is, is engaging children in his ministry. We see that regardless of our view of baptism, Jesus engages children and so should we. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13, says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Indignant. Okay? It's a strong word there. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. Okay? Jesus brought children into his ministry. We need to have a disposition of engagement. Uh, again, my experience tells me that children uh, have a deep capacity for love and devotion, and we've got to engage that um, in our relationships with them, but also encouraging them to have that kind of love of God as well. Um, scripture exhorts us to talk to our children uh, about the Lord. Exodus 13 uh, verses 6 through 9 talk about the Passover and the people celebrating the Passover in a worship setting. And in the midst of all uh, uh, of celebrating that, it says in verse 8, On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. So the idea is there is, I'm doing something, and I turn to my child and say, this is why I'm doing it. You need to know this. Um, we need to have a disposition of learning. We need to encourage that in our children. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 talks about this. Uh, it says, uh, Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 says, Teach them to your children, talking about the statutes of the Lord. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. But it also talks about the fact that if we're going to teach those things to our children, we have to learn them ourselves. Uh, going on, verse 10. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. When he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. So the idea is, look, assemble the people together so they learn it and so they can pass it on. That's our duty. And if you don't know something, here's the other thing. It's not about you being the expert in all things theological. It might be your children come to you and say, Mom, Dad, why do we do this? And if you don't know the answer, the best thing to do is not make something up. (laughs) So you can sort of maintain your credibility as the authority. But you say, I don't know. Let's go find out together. And what you're instilling in your children is a disposition of learning. 
because they see it in you. Okay? All right, so now, now we get to the training port. Just when she has to leave. Uh, um, I can see somebody's got my spot out there still. Good, 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 good. How do we raise our children to be worshipers? How do we do that? And I want to, there's a caveat here that I want to say. I want to be sensitive because we all have different kinds of children. We have different parenting styles. And it's always hard to say, hey, you should do it this way. You should do it that way. And it can be very threatening to us. And it's not my intent at all to criticize or shame the way you've done things or are doing things or, or to even pat you on the back for doing things a certain kind of way. It's for all of us to move forward from this point uh, in increasing faithfulness to, to God and our children. Okay? So, we're being flexible here, right? I'm not trying to say you're being a bad parent or you're being a great parent. I'm just simply saying, hey, how can we move forward together in faithfulness to God and our kids? Well, even with our four children, what we do with each of them is different based on who God made them mm-hmm. to be. So even in our own house, our own parenting is different with each of the four moments. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because one and, is the professor and then the other yes. bookmark is the dude. So yeah, yeah. He's a boy's boy. He's a boy's boy. And I mean, even this morning, I mean, bringing your children into worship uh, feels uh, like an invitation to embarrass yourself, you know, in front of all of your friends. Because um, you want your children to behave well, but the thing is, they won't. They won't. They won't. And, and, and the thing is, if you're going to train them, you have to acknowledge they don't know how to do it on the front end. It's not about you. It's about God and their relationship with God. You've got to help them. And so, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't speak for Tom. I can only speak for me. And, and, and as a pastor, I don't mind children making noise. Okay. I'll talk about some caveats to that in a, in a moment. But <laughs> But uh, I get it. And some of you are very brave. Uh, just this morning, without going to who it was, <laughs> there was someone who came in with their children, and they were by themselves. They normally have someone with them, but they were in this morning. And I was thinking, I need to go sit near that person so I can help them, because this has got to be incredibly difficult. Um, because there was some of those kids are pretty active. Okay? And that's okay. I'm glad they're there. I really am. When do we start bringing our kids into worship? Um, when do we start training them as worshipers? Well, I would say that broader question, we, we, from, the time, from before the time they're born, we're praying for them. We should be. And then from infancy, we're reading stories. We're modeling grace. We're training them from the earliest age to develop a love for something. So, for instance, when do you start teaching your children to become Cardinals fans? Real early. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever team you love. You know, what a, when do you start training? I mean, you start training them before they even know, even understand baseball or, that, that, that he, or what a sport is. Uh, my, my brother was a big Mets fan, and he taught my... Eli. Two-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a Phillies fan. Hold on. Caveat, though. Eli's the professor. Yeah, yeah. Really smart monkey who refused to speak for the longest time. So he's two and a half. He knows he could probably read at that point. That's an exaggeration. But he just refused to talk because he's the introvert. So 
So my, my, my brother loves the Mets. I love the Phillies. I learned to hate the Mets. I learned to hate the Mets. Um, and he taught my son how to say, go Mets. Uh, when do we, if we love fishing, when do we start teaching our children how to fish? Typically the second they can hold a fishing pole. When do we teach them how to throw uh, a ball? The, the, the second they can hold the ball. Um, and it's the same way with worship as well. Um, what about bringing them into worship? Well, we need to exercise some wisdom on that. We gotta know, you have to know your child, what they can't handle, what they can't handle. Um, and uh, they're, 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 uh, they're likely um, not going to sit politely for you and quietly at the front end. That should be expected. And we as pastors should expect that too. And if we're not being patient with that, you know, shame on us for not being good shepherds on, on that front. Um, there's going to be, there's going to be a, a, a learning curve for our kids. But, but do you, do you, when do you start bringing your kids into settings where they have to sit quietly or politely for a certain period of time? Um, it's often, you know, we're, we're in, they're in school settings. They're, we're, we're doing a lot with our kids pretty early on. Um, we need to be thinking about when do we bring our kids into worship? I don't have a definitive answer. You've got to know your kid. Um, but you've got to start somewhere. And it's not going to be pretty on the front end, probably. And that's okay. Can I give ours? Uh, what I do with ours real quick? Sure, yeah. Okay, so we have four. Um, Eli, obviously, with the professor, is easy to bring into worship because he's an introvert and quiet and had a love of learning from birth. Um, so don't take this to heart. But he started in worship as a toddler. Um, dude, my youngest did not come as a toddler because he just is not capable of sitting for that long. So Zach was pre-K, I would say four, when he was in pre-K, when we started really bringing him into worship, and I only asked for half of it. I was like, make it to the sermon, and then we'll take you down to your stuff. But this is for you too, and we're going to start training you. And he, he could do it. Hmm. We, because we're they're singing, and if you sit in the right spot, that child can do a lot of praising and dancing and wiggling while you're singing. Um, and I, as a pastor's wife, really didn't care what people thought. It was important to me to have them in there and starting to. And, you know, we try to encourage people around us to help us with that process. You know, love us well. Um, know that he's going to be louder and more wiggly and more distracting. And when you really got to focus, we'll put him, put him in his class. Yeah. Um, so that's how we, we've got the gradation between Eli. So the girls are somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And they themselves are different between them. Yeah, um, Haley's more like Zach and Libby's more like Eli. Uh, but I would say this, that the big, the big, the big, uh, 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 turning point, not turning point, but but the, the most important thing we decided to do is to say, look, our kids right now are not an extension of our reputation. Yeah. Eli came to worship dressed as Spider-Man. Because <laughs> that's how he was and, and there were moments that in the church that, the church that we, we were at when they were that little was a very traditional church. When I, 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 I mean, I wore a robe, I wore a robe at, this, at this church. And uh, I mean, it was expected that when people came into the church, there was no noise. It was quiet at the beginning, you know. And, 
Yeah, I, got, I, I would get comments. And sometimes I even got comments from other staff. The assistant children's ministry director made her displeasure of certain things very clear to me. But I always made it very clear to her, um, these are my children. They're not an extension of my reputation as a pastor. I need to love them first and foremost. And I want them to raise them as worshipers. And I certainly, and it's other, and the other part of it was, yeah, and the other part, and I can't train them to be in, a worshiper unless they're in worship and they're going to be who they are. And we've got to work with that. And that's true for you. I mean, your children, you got to love them. Now, don't worry about, well, these people can't keep their children under control. You know, forget that. Love your kids. Don't worry about your reputation. When you get into worship, uh, I love this passage in Exodus. I read a, uh, a similar passage earlier, but it talks about having children in worship settings. Exodus chapter 12. And when your children ask you, because they're going to ask questions, you, you engage them and you respond to them. And Mary talked to me about how as they were doing baptisms or they were doing the Lord's Supper, she was sitting there explaining now they're doing this and this is why we're doing you'll that. You'll still see me do that with Zach. Haley living, Eli, Eli's 17 and Haley living are 15. So we've been over it for about 12 to 15 years. They don't need to keep hearing from me that this is what we're doing. They got it. <laughs> Zach is 11. He's close to getting it. And he's my most wiggly, most, he's the dude. I mean, yeah. he really is a dude. So um, you'll see me lean over and whisper to him during baptisms or during communion just to re-top off. This is what we believe. This is what's in the Bible. This is what we're doing. We're all coming together. Um, we're responsible for that kid as much as we're responsible for you, which is also why when he sees a mom come in with four kids and nobody in the pew with her, um, he'll go and sit beside them because he's not the lead pastor. He's able to do that now because hmm. um, he's seen the experience with me. you bring your kids into worship you're brave you're brave and I want to affirm that <laughs> um, explain why we're reading scripture why we're singing songs why we're offering gifts to God why we're repenting why we're and some of the language hearing... littles don't understand so just to say hey yeah. we're saying this this is what it means yeah. when we're doing this this is what we're really doing and and it's, I think it's, it's, it's wisdom when your kid's little, bring in activities. Bring an activity bag, a coloring book, color, you know, colored pencils, crayons. We used to come in with four separate activity bags. Olivia's 15, God love her. That is not a purse on her body. That is her worship activity bag. Yes. You see her today. It's a cross-body little sack purse, but it is full of crochet needles and yarn. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You're getting ahead of me there. Well, yeah, I, well, I'm trying to get. <laughs> so the activity bags were different when they were little. I'm the peanut gallery. That's why you want to. That's like unruly. <laughs> um, Zach gets it from somewhere. Um. So the little activity bags were different. Like we did coloring. I did Bible verse um, coloring pages. So the, the various options you have would be, you know, bring them in um, uh, if they're having trouble engaging with the sermon. Leave for children's church. Leave for, you know, the nursery. Have the activity bag. Maybe you could, as they get older, you could have like a chart of words. This is what we did with our kids. Or I our should kids say she did it. it. 
So God, Jesus, grace, repentance. They'll, they'll hear a and word the first five and then minutes, they start tallying. they hear a word more than once, they'll write it down and then they'll do tallies. They do tallies. And at the end, they'll go tell the pastor, you said God 53 times. That's insane, man. Even when, that, even when the pastor was their dad, they would yeah. come and say, Dad, you realize you said this word. You said right? Jesus 74 times. 74 times today. That's a lot. I was like, wow, okay. Okay, so things like that provide. There's materials provided for us, um, you know, as we go into the worship. There's crayons. There's some other coloring things. But I would say here are the two failing options in terms of raising worshipers: to take our kids into worship and say, "Sit there quietly." That's a failing option because that is the best way to teach our kids to resent being in worship. And the other failing option is, well, come when you want to come. Uh, no, we. They'll be thirty with their first. <laughs> if we're if we've waited till they're teenagers, we've we've missed an opportunity. It may be that the Lord remains faithful because He's good and He, he you know he, He's sovereign. He overrules even our uh, you know whatever we're doing with our kids to accomplish His own purposes. But but those we want something more in between, okay? Um, and we need to evolve with our kids. Uh, again, for a time, we take them to worship with us, and then we send them to a children's church. We don't have a children's church here yet, but we might. Or we take them down to nursery, uh, an activity bag for staying for the sermon, uh, helping children engage with the sermon with that worksheet, asking about the sermon afterwards, uh, allowing things which help our children engage. For instance, my 15-year-old, she, she knits, and it allows her to focus. Okay? Man, go go with that. If you have a baby, just let her know she'll make you a hat during worship. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, is that it, with all that, instill an awareness in, our cho- in your children that God is there with them, but also God's people. Uh, so worship is a community activity, which means uh, that we want our children to be tr- children, but we also want them to be respectful. Um, so we don't want them to be unreasonable distraction to others. So Getting up and going to the bathroom, asking questions quietly, not unreasonable. Moving around, even dancing during singing is, is not unreasonable. In fact, I think that's actually a good thing. I can't tell you how, how good it is for my soul when I see the lustres up front and I see you know, kids dancing up there. That, that's great for my soul. That is not an unreasonable distraction. Distraction. When, the, when kids are fussing with each other and fighting and, you know, bumping into each other, uh, we need to put an end to that, <laughs> put an end to that if we can. Um, you know, so I, My I, most recent one is doing multiple braids in your hair. That can just wait. I'm like, dude, you're, I am not paying attention because I'm waiting for you to stop. You've got to stop braiding your sister's hair. Well, I, I have a different opinion on that. I know. I'm so we all have different opinions. But, but you know, I... I, I Right now, we have this. When we sit and worship together, often we have the Heimberger kids and the Brehub kids and the Mady kids all sitting together. It's me and I can watch. Daryl they're not even my kids. They're not even my kids. I was watching uh, one of the Heimberger kids, uh, while well, one of the Brehub kids was bumping into the Heimberger kids, causing a fuss. And I'm like, I'm going to let this go for a little bit. And finally, I was like, all right, you know, you need to stop that because that's becoming distracting to the people around you. And because we want them to be aware that their actions do have impact on other people. Uh, we want to instill an awareness of God and other people. And we need to train them in that. So there's going to be mistakes. You know, there's going to be some fussing and nothing hollering. And, um, 
then we tell our kids very kindly and graciously, okay, that's not really what we want you to do. Can I bring up one more point? Uh, well, one, one second. And then I know that, here's the thing, is that in our hearts, we're going to be anxious about our children's behavior. You know, when, when kids come up for a baptism or whatever, I tell parents, look, your child is going to cry most likely. And it's okay. You're going to feel all this anxiety about it. No one else is going to feel it. And if people do feel anxious about it, that's on them. That's that's ridiculous. That's on them. Okay? Most people find it endearing because you're bringing your child into worship and, and, uh, you know, saying before God, I I, I trust you to take care of my child and we're worshiping with you. Okay? And that's the disposition we need to create here at our church. So, as it relates to raising worshipers, Instilling in them the most important thing, relationship with God, and then training them into it. Not being self-conscious about how they're going to look at, they're going to reflect on us, but, but helping them to engage with God uh, in, in ways that are appropriate for their age and have proper expectations of them. Because when we train, train our children when early to love Jesus, they will likely love Jesus when they're older. We train a child to love baseball when they're three. I was trained to love baseball. I'm terrible at baseball. He's bad. I'm bad. But I love baseball. <laughs> I love baseball. Uh, and I think there's something, there's, a, there's, there's, there's something parallel going on. Certainly we want the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not simply a training matter, but you get my point. Last thing, yes. Okay, so, because you were getting ready to go into the anxiety part, which I think. Yes. Um, as a parent, it's really easy if you're starting to develop your own anxiety over what your kid is doing in the pew to reach over and discipline over the top. I can think of a time when Olivia was doing something. Sorry. When Olivia was doing something, and um, it was in our church in South Carolina, and I, I've been known to have a child exit with me, and we go to the nursing room where moms are nursing, and we have a little powwow. And I had a little powwow with Olivia, but it was more out of my place of anxiety than it was over the level of wrong that she was doing. And halfway through the powwow, I stopped and I was like, I'm really sorry. I, I have gone too far. I'm being too strong. I'm being too heavy-handed. I need you to chill and cut it, but I also need to not overreact. So it's always good. Um, as a parent to say, I don't know, I'm sorry, I went too far. Um, and Olivia still remembers that day because I was like going to eat her for lunch. <laughs> um, um, but she's forgiven me and I've asked for forgiveness right then and I asked for forgiveness a couple times later because I really was, I was, I was going to chew a little bite off of her um, for what she was doing in the queue that day. Um, so always keep that in mind too. Just as they're gonna mess up, we mess up as parents. So cover, yeah. cover it in grace is what yeah. we say. Like many like many things with our children, we we wanna we wanna find a line and be on the safe side of the line uh, for fear of whatever's on the other side of the line. But the thing is the parenting isn't like that. We gotta walk the line. Because we end up with errors on both sides. And we do our best and we're gonna screw up, but God is faithful. <coughs> So we can have peace. That God loves our children more than even we love them. All right, I was going to have some time for Q&A, but we don't have but we're all out. Feel free to come talk to me or Mary afterwards about this, because I know this is a hard issue. 
um, and we want to be as supportive as we can. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Bless these parents, Lord. Uh, give them strength. Give them courage as they seek to raise worshipers of you. Give them wisdom. And I pray, Lord, we'd be helping each other out in that regard, not giving each other kind of these stares because our children are being, other children being loud, but, but, but supportive looks, smiles, encouragement. Um, Lord, again, help, help us know how to raise worshipers of Jesus for the sake of our children, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.